and, and he was there, he was lame from his birth. He had never walked before. He, he, he was sit, sitting there, and the... Um, I'm starting, I'm just giving a history right now, but we're going to go to chapter 4. Okay, okay. but this man was laying there, and they said we're going up the steps into the synagogue. Uh, this man was looked upon Peter and John as if they were going to give them, him some money because he was a beggar. He had no way of making money, so he would sit, sit there with a little basket or what have you to get money to be able to survive. And he looked on Peter and John, and they looked down at him, and he looked up at them as to think that they were going to give him something, and they said, man... I don't have, we don't have any money. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And the man got up and he started leaping and praising God. And all the people that knew this guy were like astonished. Man, this was a drastic miracle. He's up there going into the temple and all, just all excited. Just jumping and praising the Lord. What a mighty miracle. The man was over 40 years old. He had never walked before in his life. His, his muscles didn't even have, you know, you don't have muscles if you don't use them. They were atrophied, and, and they were gone. And, and here he is walking and leaping, praising God. So all the people thought that Peter and John was something special. Man, they wanted to praise them. And they said, no, no, don't, not us. We're just men of like passion, just like you are. But let me tell you why, who healed him. And he says, it's Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and whom they, they had crucified. And he began to talk, talk to him and tell him this. And the whole, the whole area was in an uproar like, man, wow, this is so great. And it was so excited. Well, the, the scribes and Pharisees, they didn't like that because they wanted to be able to have people looking at him and not follow Jesus. So they arrested Peter and John and, and put them in jail, uh, in other words. And they were in jail, and, and uh, so they, they punished them and, and so forth, and then they were going to release them. And they told Peter and John, he says, listen, we're going to release you. But we're making a law here. We're commanding you, don't go and preach in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't teach anyone about, about, about God. And don't preach Jesus Christ at all. So here they were. They were in the circumstance of either obeying the governor, like we just read, the government, the authorities, or to obey God. And so they were caught between these two. And, and here they are in chapter 4. And, they, uh, and we'll, go, we'll start... Uh, in verse 16, th those men, those, those religious leaders said, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by, by, them, by them is manifest to all of them that live in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. I mean, this man was never walked. They knew who this man was. In 40 years he'd been gone there. And he said, but, but that it spread no further among the people so we can stop this. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak no more, henceforth no more, to no man in, this, in, in the name of Jesus. And they called him and commanded him not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, what's, what's really right in the sight of God? To listen unto you more than to God? Judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for what had, what had been done. So here they go. They said, man, we're not going to keep your law. We're not going to do it. We're going to obey God. We're going to preach the gospel because they were commanded to go and, and preach the gospel to every Christian. It's not going to shut up about Jesus. That was their life. And that's your life. So when it comes down to, to obey God... Or to obey man, what do you do? 
It's simple. You obey God. God's law presides over man's law. Now, uh, it says here, it says verse 28, he says, uh, for to do whatsoever, they're talking to the Lord, and it says, uh, we'll go to verse 25. No, verse 27, for, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the children, people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever they, thy hand and thy counsel determined for to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, they speak in the Lord, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaking where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So they, they, they obviously didn't listen. They, they kept speaking the word of God. They keep speaking about Jesus with boldness. And this is what I want to bring out. I, I made a stand uh, and made video and, and spoke about that, you know what? You need to obey God. Even though man was saying, no, you need to quarantine yourself. You, need to, you don't need to go and speak the word of God. You don't need to preach the gospel. You don't need to heal the sick. You don't need to baptize people. You need to just quarantine yourself because we have this pandemic going on. Jesus didn't make a, 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 an addendum when he said to go and preach the gospel to every creature and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Je the word of God took precedence in my life over what man was saying. Now, let me bring another side to this. If you are just saying and you're making statements, whether it's on Facebook, social media, or to other people, and you're making statements like, for instance, hey, it's time to go back to work. Everybody needs to do these things, and you need to do that just for the sake of going against the law, you're wrong. You don't do that. You're sinning against God. If you're making a statement, I'm going to stand up for the Lord and preach the gospel, then, then that's a different story. But just to go against the law and admonish other people to do the same is wrong. It's against what God says. We read that. The Bible says to obey the governors of your land, to obey those that have the rule over you. If you don't do that, you sin, unless God's word says, does, says different. Even as a, a, a wife with a husband, we're going to use that as, let me use that as an illustration. A wife can be married to a husband, well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, wives, obey your husbands in everything. Because when a woman marries a man, a woman, the Bible says, is to submit to her husband in everything. Now, if her husband tells her to do something that's against the word of God, then she's to obey God over her husband. But if he says, hey, you work, I don't like the clothes you wear, you need to go change, then you obey your husband. Hey, you need to do this or that. You need to obey your husband. But when it comes down to obeying God, it's always first. I wanted to bring those, those points out for, our, for all of our sakes. Ben? So in the book of Hebrews, it talks about, and I'm sure I know you're familiar with it, and I don't know the exact scripture, but it says, um, you know, kind of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's what we're talking about Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hebrews 13. Yes, okay, so, so but that, and that, and that goes along with, well, sometimes your authority doesn't walk the Lord, but the Lord places that person in your life to be your authority, so it really, it really comes down to, just like you were, in a good illustration, you made a husband and wife, 
It's really the heart behind it. Yeah, I don't want to go change clothes because I feel like he's wrong, but I need to be submissive, so I'm going to do it unto God. To honor God. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. 1 Corinthians 11 says the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman uh, is the man, and the head of Christ is, is, is the father. So, yes, that is the order. That is God's order. That's not like, well, we just pull in scripture just to support something we believe. We believe what the Bible says. We honor God's word. It's not about what anybody thinks. Uh, opinions and, and, uh, and so forth are worthless. But God's word is what we live by. Uh, what he's talking about in Hebrews 13, Ben, it talks about um, to obey those, verse 17 of chapter 13 in Hebrews, it says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they, they that must give account that they do, they do it with joy and not with grief for that is profitable for you. First of all, uh, when you submit yourself to someone in authority in the church, first of all, a lot of the churches that we have today don't preach the truth. Is that talking about a church? That's talking about a, a, a pastor, an elder. That's what it, 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 the context of the, of the whole scripture is talking about here. Uh, it's talking about those that pray, pray for you. They watch out for your souls. Uh, they're not uh, um, taking advantage of you. They're not doing it for filthy, uh, for money. They're doing it because they care about your soul. So, so so if you're going and you're participating and you're submitting yourself to a fellowship or, and to the headship of a pastor or an elder, uh, and they, and then you're to obey those that have the rule over you because they're watching out for you. Like they might tell, somebody might tell you uh, it's in a position like that, say, man, listen, you need to stay away from that particular place you know, because they're watching out for you because it's dangerous for you spiritually. Then it's good that you would listen to them. But if, you're, uh, if you had some... Some of the modern-day churches today that are preaching that everybody's going to sin and that uh, penal substitution, reform theology, those type of, type of things, then you never want to submit yourself to that kind of fellowship to begin with to be under that kind of authority. So make sure when you're submitting to, to someone that, they are, that the Word of God is their authority and they're walking by what the Lord has to say. Is there any question, any comment on all this so far? Anything? Okay. All right. I just wanted to set that as a foundation because I want, I want to make sure that everybody understands that thoroughly, that we're not to go against the government unless it's something that the Lord says. And you, what you do, you're to point out like, okay, we're, we're not going to do that because the scripture says this. Don't just say, no, we're not going to listen to him or encourage the people. No, we need, to, we need to go do all this, which is against what they're saying. Then you're going against God, and that's a dangerous place to be because you're sinning. You're you're walking against God. You say, well, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. So, good. It wasn't a sin unto death. So, you're okay. Just make sure and put it behind you and go forward. And it's okay. Move forward with it. So, But we want to honor God's word in everything that it says. Because, you know, a Barabbas, somebody like that in the scriptures, was somebody who was rebellious. And sometimes people can have bad taste in churches or false churches that they were in before, and they throw out the baby with the bathwater and say, you know what, I'm not going to have any authority in my life. But the Bible has it that there's structure and there's authority that we must submit to and we must honor. And there's the authorities of the land, there's the authorities in the church of submitting ourselves to those things in a humble way and becoming a servant to what God has and what he, he wants in our lives. Amen? Does that, does that make sense to you? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. Let's go to uh, 2 Peter, guys. We're going to finally go there. and uh, We finished up uh, 2 Peter chapter 2 uh, last week, and we're here. I see we got uh, Wes on with us today. Uh, welcome, Wes. Uh, Tiffany's here with us. Don, you're supposed to be here. I see you on there. Uh, 
Good. Uh, Layla, great to have you today. Joel, what a blessing. Uh, Linda, you're supposed to be here too. I see you on there. And Chris, uh, see you. And, uh, and Jacob and Mandy, what a blessing to have all of you today. Is anybody I'm leaving out? Is that it? Okay. And we want to uh, say hello to everyone on YouTube. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and we look forward to many, many more times with you guys. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, let's go to, we're going to read verse 1 through, let's see. Let's go to verse 1 through 14. Um, let's see here. Wes, would you read that from verse 1 through 14 on Second Peter chapter 3? Sure. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the Holy Prophet of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. Is it echoing over there to you guys? Yeah. A little bit, not bad. Okay. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget. By the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water. It's hard for me to read while it's echoing. Can you read it, Don? Sure, I'll take over from there. You want me to start from everybody good from there? Everybody got it? Okay, verse 6 says, Wherefore the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition or ruin, of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord's not slack concerning his, com his promise, for some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens or the skies shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall belt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what, kind of, or what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation, the way you live, and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the day of the coming of the, of the, coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. And I'll finish that scripture when we move on. Yes, sir. We Verse 4 says, ministers of God, and verse 6 says, God's ministers. 
And why do so many things please me? Where, where are you at? Are you asking pertaining to these scriptures? You going back to Romans thirteen? Romans thirteen. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's got a question. Okay, so yes, off the subject. Okay, so you're asking why in Romans thirteen do we need to turn to Romans thirteen and then come back to this? Okay. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. So they're saying why it says the higher powers in verse one. Authority. It's basically, all, all three of them are saying higher authority, whether whether it be um, someone watching for you, so whether it be the authority of the lands, of, of governors, uh, so forth. Because it's reiterated in, in uh, First Peter chapter two, as we saw, as we saw, you know, governors and and presidents and and uh, kings and so forth. It says to honor the king to do so, and, and just uh, just authority in your life to obey authorities in your life. Okay, you kind of threw me off there for a little bit. Okay, Second Peter chapter 3. Okay, we're back there now. He says that um, he wants to stir, stir, stir us up, first of all, with a pure mind, because the whole text of what he's writing here is there seems to be something going on here, right? Seems to be, to be like a, there's some people that are coming in, some false prophets, and they're starting to stir up the people in the wrong direction, trying to say, you know, hey, look, guys, uh, this isn't happening. You know, there's a promise of the coming of the Lord. Uh, it's, everything's continued just like it was from the beginning. Nothing's changed, you know, so uh, all this stuff about the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord, uh, you don't need to pay attention to. But here Peter's saying uh, that the reasoning is, is, been, is taking time for this to happen is because it's the long-suffering of God. That God has been very long-suffering, willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, and I, and I read, we read that twice, that word long-suffering. And so, is that like a patience? Like patience. Like a, he, he's, he's, he's been like, long-suffering means like, like, like you, 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 you have, you're waiting through something. You know that you, it's suffering. You're going through waiting, and, and and you wait, but you're waiting on it because you're so patient because you don't want anybody to perish. Is what he's saying. He wants to give everybody the opportunity to come. He's like put it off almost like till he comes. So that's what that long suffering means there. And he says, see, and he, and he talks about what's going to happen, and we're going to break it down in a minute. But he said, what's going to happen in this time? He said it's going to come upon people like a thief in the night. And I want to go through some more scriptures on, on the thief of the night too. But in other words, it's going to come when people least expect it. And that's how death is with a lot of people. It comes on when they least expect it. And he said, but the heavens, you're going to hear this great roar in the sky. Uh, and then, you know, all the elements of the earth are going to melt with fervent heat. And in the heaven will also. And he said, seeing that you know these things are going to happen, what kind of life should you be living? Knowing that this is going to happen and it's going to come to pass. So he says that you should live in all men of holy conversation. You should live a righteous life without spot and blameless, is what he says. Um, but he, wants, he starts off and he says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, those that are they're false prophets, they're, they're uh, mockers. 
walking after their own desires. Well, let's talk about a little bit this, these last days, what we have happening. We have other scriptures that talk about the last days. Does anybody have, have one to bring out? We talked about before? Okay, he says 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's hold our places there. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 to reference and see what's happening in these last days. Do we live in the last days? Yes, we do. Okay, uh, we're going to read 1 Timothy chapter 4, and then we're going to let Wes say something. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days or the latter days, latter times, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines or teachings of devils. My, we see that big time today. That has happened without a doubt. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, how do you get your conscience seared with a hot iron? When the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin you don't, and you don't pay attention to it and you keep doing it, just like people say, well, sin doesn't matter. You're going to go to heaven with sin, sin or not. They, they've seared their conscience with a hot iron where the sin doesn't even bother them too, too much anymore because they, they've, their hearts become callous to the sin because they haven't taken heed to the Holy Spirit. Very dangerous position to be, be in. Forbidding the man commanding the abstain from me. So that's one of them there. Wes, go ahead. Yeah, just uh, go over to second. Timothy chapter 3, next book. Yes, good. Same book, just next to uh, 2 Timothy, I guess, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, Without self-control, brooders, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And then having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So, kind of uh, just just people walking according to their own lust, like what it uh, says there in Second Peter chapter 3. Sounds like it's the same type of list uh, of people here, and it will happen in the last days. And this is like what Jesus alludes to in Matthew chapter 24. He says, because of the love of many will grow cold, the love, yeah. lawless right. will yeah. abat. Yeah. Amen. So, Amen. And that's referring to the last days as well. Yeah. Uh, so you have these people that are, are saying these things and um, saying things continue. Then he reminds them uh, of the time of Noah's day uh, of what happened. Uh, they thought the same thing. They thought nothing was ever going to happen. They thought things were just going to continue on. Uh, Noah, even though Noah was warning them, they didn't take heed to his warning, just like people today don't take heed to the warnings that we say. And all of a sudden it came upon them one day when it started pouring down rain and uh, flooding, and God shut the door of the ark. When God shuts the door, no man opens it. And they found themselves in a position of losing their lives, and, uh, and it was over with. But it says here that uh, verse seven, 7 says, But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So uh, we see now that 
the Lord's not going to destroy the earth with water again. He put the rainbow. That was a sign that he, of, of a covenant that he made with uh, Noah and so forth that he would never do that again. So now he says he's going to destroy the earth again. But this time when he destroys the earth, it's going to be with fire, not with water. It's going to be, the, be, be, be fire on that. Uh, I know when he, when he talks about reserving those, it reminds me of Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 2 uh, when we read last week it says in verse uh, it talks about Lot uh, living in Sodom and Gomorrah how much it vexed his righteous soul uh, day to day of their unlawful deeds and it says verse 9 but the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished so he, he knows how to reserve that for that day uh, another scripture it reminds me of in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. If you'll turn there. They were being troubled. The Thessalonians were be troubled by, by outsiders. And here it goes again. Verse 7. Uh, with verse 6. It says, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to repay tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled west with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So we see that it's reserved unto the time of, um, of, of that fire of that last day but judgment will come. Uh, and then he goes on and it says, but the day, but the, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day is with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. In other words, the timeline that the Lord uses is sometimes different than what our time li- timeline is, is what I take it from in the context is talking about that uh, God is, and he explains that in the next verse, that uh, time is not of, is that e- of essence to the Lord in that way. Because he says in verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Well, what's his promise? That he's coming back. As some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us. Thank God he waited for us to come to the Lord, for us to come to him. Uh, Not willing that any should perish. But that all would come to repentance. That's what we're preaching today. People are even preaching today that you don't really need to come to repentance. You can just accept the Lord as your Savior and, and just be fine with that. And you don't really need to turn from your sins because they say, hey, you, you, you can always sin. But the Bible says that he's the author of eternal salvation to, to all that obey him. Just the same thing. You know, it's amazing that we see the same things in every seemingly, every chapter and every book that we read. It talks about holiness. It talks about living in that holiness with the Lord. Um, not willing that any should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <laughs> Thank you. I got, you got to watch, watch that. Good ear. <laughs> I was just testing you, Cedric. <laughs> but the day of the Lord will come as a thief. I want to look at um, a few scriptures uh, that, that talk about um, him coming as a thief. And I want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5. Let's go there.
Some believe that um, they don't believe that there's a catching way. They don't believe that there's really a coming of the Lord and he's going to come through the sky and, and uh, gonna, uh, the, those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with him. And uh, they, they uh, just shun at that. But you can't shun at it when it's written in the Word. I want to start off in chapter 4 and I want to read something to you. Uh, in verse 13, it says, he says this. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep or that have died, that you saw or not even as others which have no hope. For we, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which die in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you to, uh, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which, are, which have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, he says. And then he goes on, when is this going to happen? And he says, verse, chapter, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, But the times, the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that are right to you. There's no, there's no consequence for that. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. So when people least expect him, that's when he will come. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So they, obviously people will think that things are getting really good. Peace and safety is there then the destruction will come like all get out. But ye, brethren, who's he talking? He's talking about the brothers, those that are living in Jesus Christ, those that are walking in the light. You, brethren, are not in darkness. You're in the light. Remember the Bible says, uh, if, we say we, if we say we walk in the light and do not the things that God said, we lie and do not the truth. And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. First John 1, 6, uh, 1, 7. Uh, but, but you, brethren, not in darkness, that they shall overtake you as a thief. So it's, he's not going to overtake a believer as a thief. He's going to overtake an unbeliever as a thief. Those that are disobedient. Why, why won't he overtake us as a thief? Because we're ready all the time, right? Because you're walking in the light. You're not walking in darkness. Ye are the children of the light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. In other words, live that life, live that holy life, blameless in him. So that, so they that sleep, sleep in the night. But they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and in the helmet of the hope of salvation. There's your armor of God you were talking about being. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now a lot of people use that particular scripture for pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, that they're going to be caught, caught up and they're not going to go through any type of hardship of tribulation because you're not appointed to God's wrath. And we're not. We're not appointed to hell. But wrath? Yeah, we know a lot of our ancestors uh, in the scriptures, first in Hebrews 11, some people were sawed in half. <laughs> was that God's wrath? No, it wasn't God's wrath. It was man's wrath. But, but there is wrath that comes upon us. So no, that does not mean what a lot of people try to make it mean. Okay, so that's one place a thief in the cross, uh, uh, of talking about the, um, of him coming like a thief. Turn with me to Revelation Chapter 16. Revelation 6, chapter 16. 
and verse 15. The Lord says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, <coughs> lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So he comes as a thief, but to us who watch, he doesn't. Go ahead, Wes. I was just going to say, in, uh, we obviously know that uh, Jesus says to those that eat and drink and get drunk with the drunkards and beat your fellow servant, he's going to come in an hour that they are not aware of, which in essence would be the same concept mm -hmm. that he would be coming as a thief. But we see in, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3 that, that, that it says that these coffers say, where is the promise? of his coming. So the promise of his coming is obviously Christ coming back, but Peter ties in the coming of Christ with the judgment and God coming as a thief. And uh, obviously, like you're saying, for the believer, it's not going to be as a thief, but for those that are unprepared, the day of the Lord and the coming of Christ, and this is what uh, I've talked to Don about, and Peter, it seems like he's combining the two, but like you like you read in Thessalonians, um, in verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, it, it says, um, I'm trying to find the scripture where it talks about his coming and saying, it goes into the day of the Lord in chapter 5. What's the verse in chapter 4 where it says the coming of Christ? Uh, verse 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Um, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so he will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So, do you know what verse that is? For the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with one another with them. And uh, therefore comfort one another with these words. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously this is talking about the coming of the Lord in chapter 4, you know, because my title says the comfort of Christ coming, you know, from verses 13 through 18, but then it goes into chapter 5, which is the day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So it combines the coming of Christ and the day of the Lord together, just like Peter does in Second Peter chapter three. I think that that's that's a good thing to take note to, because a lot of people preach it as a separate event. You know, the pre-tribute, those that believe in pre-tribulation think that Christ comes, raptures the people away. You want to call rapture or a catching away, and then there's this second, another advent or another coming of God or Christ that comes in judgment. But here in 2 Peter chapter 3, hopefully this makes sense, and in Thessalonians 4 and 5, it combines them together. So I think it's very noteworthy. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Luke 12. I think that's what one he was talking about here. Uh, again, when we're talking about the thief, um, he, 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 Luke chapter 12, he says in verse... Um, Verse 35, he said, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourself like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. 
in, in West, you know, you, he talks about the wedding here. You know, you got that in Revelation 19 also. He talks about this wedding of the bride uh, the, called the marriage feast of the Lamb. He says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken through. Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Okay? So there it talks about him coming as a thief. If he would known what hour the thief would come, he would have prepared and been ready. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, the disciples asked Jesus actually of uh, three questions. Um, in verse 3, he said, tell us. Uh, first of all, they were, they were showing Jesus the beautiful buildings in Jerusalem. And Jesus told him, he says, the day is coming when not one stone will be standing upon another, but it shall all, it shall all crumble to the ground. And they asked him, they said, say, tell him, he said, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So when you read Revelation of, of this chapter, Matthew 24, he's answering Three different questions there. Uh, but in verse, if you go to Matthew 24 and verse 43, we're not going to go through everything on this. I'm just pointing out some things here. He says, verse 43 again, kind of like what we saw in Luke 12. It says, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man uh, cometh. So you, you, he said, be ready, because no, no one knows that day or hour, not even the Son of God, he says. So he says, be, be watchful and be ready, because this is coming, and it could be soon, very, very soon. So we wanna, we're looking for, and, and as a Christian, we're looking for and hasting unto that day, he says in verse 12, but as a person that's living of the world, they're, they're not looking forward to hasting on the day. They don't want that day to come. We want that day to come because we're going to be with the Lord, of, of course, you see, is what we see here. But it says here uh, in verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens, which means the skies, they're going to pass away with a great noise. So you're going to hear this great rumbling or whatever type of noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, in the works that are therein, everything's going to be burned up. It says it's all going to be burned up. So seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, shall be destroyed, what kind of person should you be in the way that you live in? If you know everything's going to be destroyed, how do you think you should be living? Holy, be ready, because it's going to happen. Looking forward, hastening to the coming of the day of, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So we look for a new heaven and new earth. I want to go to uh, Revelation, if you would, uh, chapter 19. And uh, start there. I actually want to read this a little bit to you because this is uh, just seemingly what I see as 
Revelation 19 as the time of the coming of the Lord. Uh, right after he judges uh, the whore, uh, there is um, what's called a whore in, in the scriptures in Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Uh, the Bible says she sits on many waters, uh, which the Bible also interprets that as being peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. The whore is depicted as a, um, a type of religious, actually it says it's a city, it comes forth from a city or a country, whatever, and uh, it depicts her as a religious type false system. She drinks, she says, she's got a golden cup in her hand uh, with the blood of the saints. She had martyred, she was responsible for martyring a lot of the saints of God. We see in Revelation chapter 6, as a matter of fact, in, in the fifth seal, we see a group of people there that are saying to the Lord, how long, O Lord, will you not avenge our blood on those, then these people had been martyred for the, for the Lord. Said, how long, Lord, before you don't avenge our blood on those that have, uh, that have done this evil? And the Lord says, it's for a time yet. And he gave them white robes and so forth. And he said, to wait, because their fellow brethren also must be killed. So uh, here we see these, uh, these things happening. And uh, we go to Revelation 19. And uh, after this woman, this false system, is judged and destroyed. Uh, and then in Revelation 19, he says, And after these things, uh, which is uh, which this woman is destroyed, who had the blood of the prophets and the saints and were slain upon the earth, after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. Revelation 19, 1. I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. It's the glorious day. They're excited. And it's much people. For true and righteous are his judgment, for he had judged the great whore. That false religious system of that city where it starts, uh, the, the great whore. Which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Remember she had the golden cup drinking the blood of the saints. And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures of beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. There's a lot of praise in the Lord going on here. You know, that's what we want to do. We want to praise the Lord. They're excited to praise the Lord. The day has come. And ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. So here's a bunch of people, a multitude of people. And, and as the voice of many waters, you know, when you hear a lot, a lot of people feel, sounds like waters, it's just so loud, so it just kind of echoes. And as the voice of mighty thundering saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And the praises of all the people are there. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. We saw that in, in Luke 12. We talked about, about the marriage. Uh, and his wife, which would be the bride, hath made herself ready. When we went through Ephesians 5, where it talks about comparing the, the woman and the man, and the woman being the bride of Christ. And uh, the church is the bride of Christ. It's referred to us believers as his bride. It says the bride hath made herself ready for this marriage feast of the Lamb. And to her was granted that she should be dressed or arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, 
For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Remember it says in uh, Romans 4, 13, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Uh, clothed in, in the Lord, the righteousness. It's that righteousness that they're wearing. And he said to me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus in the spirit of prophecy. I think John was just so taken away by what was going on that the messenger that was telling him these things, he just fell down to worship him. He said, No, 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 man, don't do that. Worship the Lord God only. And that kind of gives you a testimony of like people in the in Catholicism, you know, that want to have statues to kneel down and worship to, you know, and, and hear that he's saying, don't do that. You only worship God. Okay. Uh, but, so, okay, so the person that wrote the book of Revelation is John being the same, which, which one of the disciples, John? John, this one who wrote this is the same John that wrote the book of John, wrote the book of First John, Second John, and Third John. Yeah, it, what, what happened here is John is on an island called Patmos here. He's pretty much uh, seemingly alone. And uh, the, the messenger from God comes and begins to show him the revelation. The revelation to what? The revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells, him, tells John in Revelation chapter, chapter 4, he says, I'm writing these things that will happen hereafter in the future, he said. These are future things that's going to take place. So uh, as we read it, we understand that, that this is not something that has happened. This is something in the future from when, John, from when John was living to now and so forth of what is what is happening in the future. So he's seeing this. Now we're getting close to the end of the book of Revelation, and he's explaining uh, a marriage feast of the Lamb. Uh, when the bride had made herself ready, when the time is coming to, an, to a close, seemingly, and, uh, and, and, and the Lord is present and all, all the multitudes are present. So the, 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 the religious system is shut down of the, of the whore. So uh, there's great rejoicing. And it says here in verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. So he's coming, he's judging, he's making war. Who is this speaking of here? Anyone? Who is coming? Who is who is uh who sat upon the white horse here? Anyone? That's Jesus, isn't it? That's Jesus, okay. Um Wes, go ahead. <laughs> Wes and I discussed this a lot, so <laughs> so we, we have a yeah, time. So Don and I might vary in, you know, different things. We're just trying to, you know, there's a lot of different people that have different viewpoints of eschatology, and uh, some of that's fine. As long as we can agree that everybody needs to be watchful and be the wise virgins that has the burning oil in their lamps, which really speaks of, you know, you could say it would speak of being obedient, being watchful, you know, keeping your garments white and unspotted from the world, then you're always going to be prepared, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, whatever kind of trip you want to call it, uh, as long as you're living that way, 
um, just some of the things the scripture, I might have my own opinion, Don, you know, uh, as far as I believe that we're going to go through tribulation, you know, John in the book of Revelation says, I am your fellow companion in the tribulation. Now, as far as the great tribulation and, uh, and God's wrath being poured out, I don't necessarily believe that the, the, the God's people are going to be uh, plagued with the wrath of God that will be poured out upon the earth as Revelation speaks. Um, I think it's going to be more like uh, what happened in uh, uh, with the Egyptians when the plagues came upon the Egyptians. Uh, God's people was protected, and they didn't experience uh, those plagues. They were protected by God. Even though they were taken out of the earth, they still were protected divinely by God because they obeyed God. They put blood over the doorpost. Therefore, the death angel didn't kill their firstborn. And likewise, with the rest of the plagues, uh, I believe God uh, protected them and they experienced the same tribulation that Egypt, which would be a symbol of the world did. Um, but it doesn't, and, and I think that Matthew 24, verse 29, uh, you know, it said immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and the tribes of the earth will mourn. So it sounds like Jesus is referring to, you know, like Don said, there's three questions or two questions being asked um, here in Matthew 24. And this one about immediately after the tribulation, it seems like it's speaking of the great tribulation. Therefore, I, I strongly believe that we're going to be here in the tribulation. But like I said, we'll be protected just like he protected his people in the day of the plague hitting Egypt. So I guess uh, what I was, what I really wanted to go to is, I know that's a lot, and um, is is that it's in Matthew 24, it talks about him coming as a thief on those that are not watchful, but it also talks about uh, the angels gathering his elect out of there. You know what I mean? So seems like it's a simultaneously event and in Matthew chapter 13 it gives kind of the same thing. Uh, in Matthew chapter 13 um, it talks about and people can read this and I'm not going to go through all of it but it talks about let me see Matthew 13 the parable of the, the dragon it talks about it, and the angels come forth, separating the wicked from the just, casting the wicked into the furnace, but gathering, you know, the elect or those that are of God, and just like the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the chaff, all that seems like it happens at Christ's coming. The judgment happens, and then also, uh, you know, the saints are glorified at the same time. So that's kind of what I wanted to add. Okay. Uh, good. You know, I'm, I didn't intend on, it would be impossible to go through the whole book of Revelation and all the things that speak of the prophecies that were given about what is going to take place. It is very obvious that there are saints that live and go through tribulation. I know in Revelation chapter 13, 
when he talks about the beast and the false prophet, which is going to be two particular uh, entities that come upon the earth. Uh, they're going to exercise all the power of the devil. There's three figures in the book of Revelation that are evil. The devil, the false prophet, and the beast. And uh, with the beast is the first one that comes after Satan, and he comes up out of the sea, the Bible says, and he has a, a wound that is healed, uh, and all the world wonders after him uh, in a way that uh, they say, who can make war against this one? You know, because he's been healed, by, he was killed by the sword and, and was healed. Uh, but it says that uh, in Revelation 13, um, that, that it was, uh, verse 7, it says it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So this guy is going to be like a one world government. He's going to be, uh, he's going to have power o over all nations and kingdoms and so forth. And he's going to turn, at first he's going to be, uh, what it seems seemingly is that he's going to be uh, liked by everyone, and including the saints, and then there's going to be war. And then he's going to come against the saints because he's going to blaspheme. The guy's going to end up turning on, uh, seems to be a very proud person when you look at other scriptures, like 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The same writer that wrote 1 Thessalonians that we read about in chapter 4 and 5 also wrote 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, seemingly, uh, when he wrote the 1 Thessalonians, I think that the people could have been thinking, hey, the Lord's getting ready to come back. You know, maybe we need to quit our jobs. Maybe we need to do all this and wait on him. Uh, but then in 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes and, and he says, now concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 1, and I gathering together unto him, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant and I don't want you to be moved, whether you hear it from another spirit or whoever. He said, because this is what, this will take place first. He says, there will be, a, first of all, a great falling away. Now, no doubt in my mind, I don't know about, about yours, but in no doubt, uh, the church has fallen away. That has been fulfilled, you know, and been fulfilled uh, because the church is not walking according to the teachings of Christ. They have uh, eliminated Christ's teachings, and they preach a whole nother gospel than what Christ preached, uh, which is the easy believe him, accept the Lord, and it's fine. We all know that. Um, but he says, first of all, there's going to be a great following. It has fallen. Then the man of sin, the son of ruin, will be revealed. He's going to be revealed, and uh, people will, he will be on the scene. Maybe he's already revealed, and we doesn't, when a lot of us are not recognizing who it is. Maybe we already have the world leader in place. But we know this from Revelation chapter 12. The Bible says that what takes place first, uh, the, John is seeing a great red dragon uh, who has seven heads and ten horns uh, uh, being cast out. And he, he has with him, he has uh, other uh, demons, other, uh, other angels with him, that, a third of them that, that are with him. And he said that there's war that goes on in heaven between Michael the archangel and, and the, the great red dragon, the devil, which the Bible explains what the great drag, red dragon is. It's, it's the devil, the serpent called the devil. Uh, and he says there's going to be war between Michael the archangel and his angels against the devil and his angels. And Michael the archangel and the devil overcome him, overcome the devil. And then the devil and his angels are cast upon earth. Now the Bible says that Right after that, he says, but they overcame him, speaking of us, we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives unto death. 
But he says, once he's cast out, he says, woe into the inhabitants of the earth. Everybody that lives on earth, he says, woe, watch out, woe, for the time is short. For the devil knows that he has but a short time. So he's coming in a, a, with fury in that last time when he's cast out. So that's what we look for. It's like we see the world quickly, very rapidly going into a very immor immor immoral state uh, of, of just sin and lawlessness. Uh, so we, I, I believe that we're very close. We're in that last hour of that time. And uh, I think we, we're going to continue to see... The Bible talks about that uh, one of the seals. It talks about uh, it, he saw one riding on a pale-colored horse, which was bringing forth death through uh, plagues, through different things. And we just seen one of the plagues now, and he's, you're going to see this more often. And so I think that all these things are pointing to that we're getting close to those times of what the Lord of, of the coming of the Lord. I believe that in my heart. Uh, the last day started on the day of Pentecost, believe it or not. That's, remember when, when the day of Pentecost, God poured out the Spirit. You can read Acts chapter 2, and, and he quotes from Joel, Peter does. He says, this is, uh, they asked, what, what is this, the pouring out the Holy Spirit? People are praying, speaking in tongues, and they're hearing what they're saying. So what is this? And Peter gets up and says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, and upon my maidens and handmaids, they shall prophesy. And he said, this is what's spoken. So he was saying, this is the last days. The last days started at Pentecost. So I believe we're in the last hour of those last days in the day that we live in. Uh, I, I, my personally, personally for me, and I know you guys also, we have seen from when we were children to now, immorality has has depraved to such an as, as, as to such a degree that you can't even hardly believe what's happening now compared to what when we were young. Uh, a lot of people don't understand this. Uh, Larry, Linda, and Terry, uh, we can understand it because we were in, we lived in the days when a divorce was horrifying, homosexuality was horrifying, abortion uh, no way. You know these these things now are accepted in society. So we see a a. Uh, uh, just a real drop in the in the in the morality of the world that we live in today compared to the world that we lived in 50, 60 years ago. Right? Am I right or wrong? It's, it's, and now it's it's going even faster in that direction. So we know that the that Satan is really having a heyday uh, in, in people's minds and using people to to go go to such extremes of immorality. But here in Revelation chapter nineteen, we see here. Uh, the Lord uh, speak, uh, seemingly coming back right here. He says, verse 11, he says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. White means sometimes clean or whatever. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. That is Jesus. And in righteousness he that judge and make war. His eyes were as flame of fire. When John saw him in Revelation chapter 1, he said the same thing. He said, I saw one whose eyes were as, as fire, his head and upon his head were many crowns. And he had the name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with, vest with a vesture, with a vest dipped in blood. As he died, he shed his blood first. And his name is called the Word of God. And we know the Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God in John 1, 14. It says, and the Word became flesh. So we know that that was Jesus. The Word became flesh was Jesus. And the armies which were which were uh, in heaven, followed him upon white horses. 
clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Those are the saints of God. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it 